Hey, I'm Gem Supernova and welcome to my DIY handbook. So I've learned so many things throughout the years on my journey as a freelance creative and sometimes I just really wished I had a place where I could go to hear the experiences, the processes and the decisions of other people like me. But most importantly, I really wanted to hear the lessons and the mistakes. So that's what this is. Each episode, I'll be sharing a lesson that I've learned along the way. I'll be honest in sharing my stories of when things haven't gone right and the solutions I've worked out. I'll be joined by a host of inspiring guests who have either been on a similar journey or had the answers right away. We'll be discussing how to build a team, persistence, the power of no, evolving and so much more. Disclaimer, this podcast was recorded at the end of 2020 and the first few months of 2021. So if you hear references to last year, don't worry about it. The last 12 months have been an absolute shit show. Let's face it, our lives have completely changed. But we've all been in it together, which for some people has been a saving grace. Life comes at you fast. It happens. You can have a drastic change or a drastic experience. And when it's something that derails your personal and professional life, it can be really hard to go through. So my guest is the incredible, and I don't use the term lightly, incredible Lauren Mann. She was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2016 when she was at the age of 31. In 2017, I was in a serious car accident and I didn't walk for three months. So throughout the episode, we're going to discuss how those life changes and experiences have shaped us and what we've learned throughout. Laura Mann, welcome to Jam Supernova's DIY Handbook. Uh, such an honour to have you on the show. Oh, it's so nice to be on here. Thanks for asking me, love. Really, really, really glad you did. No, I, I knew in the back of my head, like I knew this was an episode that I really wanted to do. And you were kind of always someone that I've, I've been watching and seeing what you've been mm. doing. And I knew that this would be the perfect episode to, to talk to you on. So yeah. if we think back to, you know, 2020 as a year... Mm. Life has come at people so fast. Like it was mm. like literally one minute we're laughing and joking. The next minute it's lockdown. Mm-hmm. Wild. Do you feel that kind of um, sort of what, you, what you've been through maybe prepared you for this year a little bit more? 110%. When, when we first went into lockdown, I was really like vocal on social media. I'm like, this is really triggering. This feels just like a cancer diagnosis all over again. And everyone's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, the parallels were ridiculous. So, you know, it was like before lockdown um, kind of booted off, we knew something was coming. We knew that there was this threat to our health and we knew that something was about to change. We weren't quite sure. We could put our f- fingers on it. When you get diagnosed with, a ca- with cancer, you kind of go through that bereavement process where you're like, something's about to change, but I still feel like me. I still look like me. My life is still turning. The world's still turning. Um, and it was that same feeling. And then when we did get locked down, very quickly, being in the house all the time, feeling isolated, being scared of this, this thing that's mm. a threat to your health, um, you know, being so far away from family and friends, you just it was very isolating and it, it felt very, very familiar. Mm. So in one respect, I found it really difficult. It did send me into a bit of a spiral with my mental health, I'm not going to lie, because there was nowhere to... I think I had to deal with a lot of traumas that you don't deal with during cancer treatment because there's a lot that happened since then and the survivorship is a whole thing that you never really leaves you. So I, a lot of stuff of that came up, but I did feel a bit more practised. So, like, I knew to take it day by day. I knew to be really intuitive with my feelings. Um, I knew myself well enough to know that I need to be out in nature. So being able to go out and do my exercise every day, I made sure. Um, really feeling into what I was feeling that day. Don't force it. You know, if, if I woke up and I was feeling, do you know what I want to do? 
I want to busy myself, then do. If I woke up and there was days where I was feeling overwhelmed and scared, then that's okay. Sit on the sofa, eat crisps, watch telly. Um, so there was a lot. And even weirdly as well, you know, when everyone was like, oh, there's it's a new normal. New normal is a phrase you hear constantly in cancer. Really? It means, yeah, yeah life post-diagnosis. So people talk about you'll get used to your new normal. So all of a sudden, even that language being used, I was like, what? Yeah. This is yeah. like four years ago again, except I was lucky enough to have my health this time. So that was the biggest gratitude for me, for sure. Because I definitely feel during this time, it, it, it's like you said about it being triggering. Mm. There was just moments that I would be thinking about something or, and, it, and it'd be like, and then relate it back to having a car crash and like you mm. said, being home mm. or being vulnerable or even like the things that I did whilst I was recovering. Mm. I think back now and I'm like, you should have just rested. You know, you should have just chilled. You should have just, you know, not tried to do the most. And thinking back to that, like, you know, being so carefree beforehand, you know, where we mm-hmm. were maybe, you know, in in, in uh, the beginning yeah. of March 2020, Raven, um, I made me sort of think back to the moment before the car crash. I had been like, um, it was the last uh, day of radio. It was around, mm-hmm. you know, it was around mm-hmm. um, Christmas period. Last day of radio. Uh, you know, my boyfriend came and met me. He doesn't normally meet me at the studio, having drinks with uh, the producers, you know, final you know show goodbyes and stuff get into an uber to go home and get ready for the festive season and then bam Mm. that was it it's like rug pulled from underneath you split second yeah yeah yeah. is that you know when you think sort of I guess maybe not so much back to that day but maybe beforehand sort of I know you're still the same person but what were you up to where where were you got you know what was what was your sort of energy like babe I was I got told I had cancer two days on this on the Tuesday after carnival Wow. So before that, I was out. I was messy. Whining, I was with all my friends. Exactly, yeah. just running around. And like at that point, I was talking to my friends about it, going, there's a lump. I am concerned just because of how the doctor was, but I'm not going to let my brain go there. I'm just going to like, you know, have a good time and enjoy myself. And, you know, it was just such a flip of a script to one minute be young, carefree, live my best life at my... I mean, Carnival is London Christmas. So mm. I was just having the best time and and being with my best friends and my fave spots, like, doing what I always do. And all of a sudden, the next day was all pulled from underneath. But to be honest as well, though, I always talk about feeling comfortably numb. I feel like when... Before something dramatic, traumatic happens to you, like you said, whether it be an illness, an accident, something that changes your life, um, I do think you can look at yourself. And I'm like, I was comfortably numb. I was waiting for life to happen to me. So I was out enjoying myself, but it didn't didn't really have any depth. There was no depth to my life. Do you know what I mean? I was raving, having fun. I was working, but always working for someone else, even though I probably always knew I wanted to work for myself. Like dating all the wrong people, not getting emotionally attached. Um... And then when stuff like this does happen, it it's sharp focus all of a sudden. It's like, okay. And I think this year's kind of done the same thing for people. I think for the first time, everyone is kind of, kind of, I won't say it's a great equaliser because it's not, because people are in such different circumstances in terms of income and, and of economically course, where yeah. they are. Um, but in terms of emotionally, I think it has been quite a thing of we've all had to suffer that inconvenience, our life been on pause, feeling vulnerable, scared, uh, a, a change. Um, and I find that quite interesting because all yeah. of a sudden, all the things I was talking about after cancer diagnosis, people are like, oh, I feel like that. I'm like, well, yeah, because it, it is quite similar. It's a similar thing, yeah. And it really yeah. forces you to be with yourself, you know. It really sort of mm. forces you to kind of be with your thoughts. You know, there's nothing, mm. nothing much to distract you away from from what you're in. Um, mm, and, nope. you know, obviously, you know, social media is, is such a big thing and... and 
when something happens to you, eventually you do, most people for the most part at some point will share it on social mm-hmm. media. And that's kind of maybe at the point where like, that's your kind of brave face, you know, you're yep. showing the world your, your mm. brave face. But behind that, you, I mean, I personally didn't really share what mm. I was going through. It was just like, oh, I had a car crash. Um, I'm fine, you know, but sort of you know wow it was scary obviously Mm -hmm. you know counting my lucky stars but behind that sort of I guess I was starting to unravel um Mm -hmm. sort of into into a depression kind of Mm -hmm. because suddenly I was not you know had a broken foot couldn't walk Mm -hmm. I'd gone from being able to not able to do anything Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. that's when the sort of like depression really really kicked in for me and I don't think I have ever actually felt that low in my Mm -hmm. life I can't remember Mm -hmm. a time that I ever felt just this like heaviness on me mm-hmm. sort of away from what you were you share, were you sharing stuff like that on social media or did yeah, you have to get to that point I, I'll be honest I was I, I like I knew quite early on that I wanted to talk about my experience but it was more from a place of I wanted to raise awareness around breast cancer in young women because mm-hmm. I was like you know what I've got barely any tits and mm-hmm. if I'm not checking my breasts and I can get breast cancer with barely any tits and at 31 anyone can get it so I was like, I wanted to share because I wanted to show people like this is real, but also change your perception of what the disease looked and felt like because I had a very warped view of it until I was in it and realised I was it. And I'm like, this, I'm not having this narrative painted for me. I was very aware of there's this whole contingent on social um, in the cancer community, which is paints on a smile. It's quite performative and like, you know, I'm not saying everyone's got to be down and out, but it's not real. And I think what that does then is it makes people who are really struggling feel like they're not coping because they... I really so see it now. Feeling that, yeah, yeah. So I when always they see really it, oh, try. I don't feel like that. Mm. Exactly, and it's like so. I always wanted to try and be balanced. I think the difference is like I'm not one of those people who's ever going to like do an Instagram story of me crying onto a camera. Yeah, but I will be someone who take a picture and then write words and that really articulate how I'm feeling. So I always try to be really real and be really real in the moment and write in the moment when I was sharing stuff, and that's the kind of thing I struggled with more this year actually is that when I was writing when I was ill it was my experience it was my lived experience and I was sharing it my way I feel like this year everyone's going through something so I realized how privileged I am in my work in my world in my health um so when I was really struggling with my mental health this year which my I was as probably I went to a really dark place this year because I think it's all the stuff coming up yeah, jams that I, I didn't stuff deal that you with. You didn't before. deal with, yeah, which is hard to because when you're in it, you're focusing on getting better, and that exactly. is the focus. That that that's one hundred percent what happened to me. I spent mm. all those months focusing on getting mm. better, getting well, mm. walking again, healing, and then I spent the next months being like, okay, getting back out there again. And then yeah. before you know it, the year had passed. It'd been a year, and it was only the second year, and maybe into this year as well, mm. that the actual sort of uh, emotional side of things yeah. started to rear its head. And the trauma of it, because you carry it a lot. And I think we're all very good at, like, you know, pushing things to the back, distracting ourselves with work, with friends, with parties. Like, we're human. That's normal escapism. Mm -hmm. But it's this year has left, my friend called it the year of 2020 vision. And I was like, yes, man, that's exactly what it's been. It's been clarity for everyone. And that hasn't always been comfortable. And it hasn't always been a nice experience. Like, stuff that was coming up for me, I went through such traumatic mental health times in my mid-20s and I kind of thought I was done with that I thought that was a period yeah but I've always known I've been susceptible to depression or anxiety but it just kind of manifested in other ways and and 
when this year hit and I was having to cope with all the trauma that was coming up, being away from my family are my comfort blanket and not being able to see them and not knowing when it was going to end, all that, it just sent me into a spiral and it was a really dark place. The way my brain was talking to me was a dark place. I'm like, I haven't heard this voice for a long time. It's because there was nothing else to, like my brain had nowhere else to go and it went straight to the dark place and I actually found it harder. I did a few posts, but I wasn't that open about how much I struggled because I felt privileged and I was like, I don't want to make out like, woe is me, even though yeah. I know that's not the case. Do you know what I mean? Like I know that, but I found it a lot harder to share my struggles in lockdown than I did when I had cancer, which is weird. Yeah, I, I, do, under, I do understand that. I, I can understand that because mm. it's kind of like... um. I don't know when you've, when you've gone through something and, you know, you, you're kind of, I guess, ha- have come out on the other side. There is a slight, I guess, um, guilt to talking about it. So sometimes like someone will be like, oh, how was the car crash? Oh, you know, it's fine. It's, it's, it was ages yeah. ago, you know. Look, I'm fine. I'm walking. I'm jumping, mm. you know, trying not to like focus on mm. it. But I think, it's, yeah, there's, 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 yeah, I guess I call it like survivor's guilt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I wouldn't yeah. want to talk to someone about someone that's had a car crash that was, you know, maybe someone passed away during the car crash. Mm. I wouldn't want to, I would never bring up my experience mm. about it or even reference it because it would feel um, inappropriate to me personally. Mm. But I know that's not right because then you're not, mm. you're shielding it away kind of thing. People always, I think we very all very quick to go when someone says, oh, where we go, but it could be worse. Yeah, it could always be worse. Doesn't mean it's not shit. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's not a terrible thing. Do you know what I mean? It's like, God bless, if someone, like, lost their legs in an accident and then it could be worse, could have lost your arms as well. It's like, it could always be worse. It doesn't mean it's not horrific. Of course, yeah. That's and the like, worst thing to say to anyone. Yeah, it could be like, oh, babe, when I got cancer, I mean, I even said it to myself. Yeah, of course. And I've had to unlearn this this year, actually, because I was like, I was all right, I got the good cancer, I got the treatable cancer. Mm. I'm like, babe, man, like, that cancer could still come back and kill you. That cancer was the most horrific thing. It ripped through your body, the treatments you had, like... Why don't downplay it? Like, don't yeah. do that. Don't don't dismiss the trauma you've been through because it's not saying that your pain is worse than anyone else's because that's not the case. Everything is relative. But be able to be comfortable and sit in that trauma and go, no, that was really, really difficult. And what I'm actually doing it by downplaying it is making it palatable for other people. Because yes, yeah. people being in pain emotionally is really uncomfortable for other people because it's like, oh, God. They don't God. know what to do. Yeah. yeah, they don't know what to do or what to say. And then yeah. it kind of makes... And then, you know, it maybe it triggers something in them that they don't want to um, deal with. It's all that. And that's why I'm always, like, I've learned to be this year. I think this is a year where we've all kind of as well... I don't know if you feel the same. Like, learned to be really mindful of other people's mental health. Like, I think yes. we're all so busy and we're running around 100 miles an hour. And I think, you know, we never know what's going on in anyone's lives. But this year, we... We still don't know what goes in other people's lives, but we know that everyone's got a lot on because there's a lot going on this year and it's hitting people in different ways. So I feel like, you know, before I ring up someone and download on them and go, I'm having a really bad day, like I can say to them, I'm having a bad day. Are you all right for a chat? If not, don't worry. Or do you know what I mean? Or like not asking too much of people. Like if I get a vibe that I'm like contacting someone about work or something like that and I'm not really getting much back from them, I'm like, I can kind of read that and go, do you know what, that's... Everyone's got a lot on. Just leave it. And I feel like that's happening. And be kind to each other. Yeah, 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 exactly. 100%. Are you the kind of person that, I guess, if I think about my personality type, I can get frustrated with myself Mm. when I'm, you know, not doing, I don't know, my best or whatever, Mm. uh, whether that's in work or whether that's like sort of personal. So when I was kind of feeling um, down, down, 
I was then in a kind of battle with myself, like, come on, what are you doing? Why are you mm. down? I was frustrated at myself, like, you, you know, you're not strong enough. Come on, like, why are you, if, the, if you can't go over this, what are you going to do in, for the rest of your life? You know, mm. I was angry at myself for not being able to be cool, mm-hmm. like emotionally. Have you ever felt that? Yeah, all the time. All the time. I'm my own worst nightmare. It's like, you put that pressure on yourself. Like, I think of myself, example, again, having been through this, the experience I have with having a really chronic illness, I, no matter what happens now, I just go, you got through cancer, you can get through this. And it's like, why would, that's just, what? <laughs> like, pardon? Yeah, yeah. Like, I put, putting that pressure on yourself that you always have to, like, be okay or, yeah. you know, you'll get through it, you'll do it. Yeah, of course, because, you know, I think about when I, you have some of your worst days and then you think about the week later and you're like, oh my God, I never thought I'd get out of the other side of that. And you always do. But rather than try and force it in that moment now, I've got much better at sitting in it and going, you just need to leave yourself today. Like sometimes you can't be on, especially like Jams, you work in media, you broadcast, you're mm-hmm. like, we're on, we're on. And it's like, I'd say air quotes on. And sometimes you just don't have it in you to be on. And that's okay to not expect that of you yourself either and being I think a really big thing is being able to articulate that to other people as well the more we push ourselves to do things when we're we're not okay sometimes you've just got to get on with it but if you're really really bad and you know you're like this isn't gonna work I can't and you get yourself into a tears you're putting that pressure on yourself and it's a really negative narrative to do because it's like you've always got to pull, I use that in air quotes again, pull yourself out of a situation. You've got to pull yourself out of anything. If you can't find a day to paint on a smile, then don't do it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's such, that's such, such, such true words, mm. like definitely. And I think like being in a, a sort of, you know, an experience, even whether it's a pandemic mm. or, what, or what we've been through, it teaches you how to verbalise actually how you're feeling. Mm. That does do that because... Um, you know, you, you can't avoid it. You are feeling things mm. and you kind of have to, you have to share it. So actually this year I got a lot better at, in my uh, professional life, actually telling people how something that they may have done may have made me feel. Whereas before yeah. I'd be like, just don't say it, just leave it. But I'd be like, no, you've actually, I'm going to be honest. Cause you know, mm. they say never put emotion in an email, but you have, have absolutely really hurt me. My mum always says to me, I love my Tina. She's very wise. Big up, um, Tina. We love Tina. Um, always, always says your feelings are your feelings, your feelings are valid. No one can tell your feelings are wrong because you are feeling them. So it may not be someone's intention to make you feel that way, but you feel that way. So your yeah. your, your feelings are never invalid. And I think it's that whole thing again as well, of being comfortable enough, like you said, to express how you're feeling in a way. I'm really emotive. I'm a very emotional per- and I, person. I react from my emotion all the time, which I'm trying to be, especially in business, less. Like, rather yeah. than be like, <laughs> like, I used to have such bad um, anger issues when I was in my twenties. Now I'm like much more chill. But it's because I react instantly. Now I take time to think on it and I've done enough therapy to like understand why I'm angry about it. And then I can articulate myself better. I can say, that's why this has upset me. And you can it, still be angry about it. Yeah. It's just like, shit, how you said, how you tell exactly, them. Exactly. Because if you come at someone full throttle and be like, you're not going to get that response. People are going to put their back up, which is what something's taken yeah. me a long time to learn. Whereas if you can sit in a measured place and go, right, this is why this has upset me. Let me lay it down for you. This is why this has upset me. I'm not sure if it was your intention, but just so you know, that's how it's made me feel. Please don't ever put me in that situation again. And yeah. then people are better at responding to it. And nine times out of ten, we're, listen, no one's fucking infallible. I've probably upset so many people in my lifetime unknowingly. Some knowingly when they've pissed me off. Um, yeah. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like no one, I think we're all a bit too scared to uh, make someone feel bad. And it's not that you're making them feel bad. You're just, it's accountability, isn't it? Yes, definitely. I'd want someone to tell me. 
Yeah. Oh, oh my god. I, mm. I, I would hate to think if I upset someone and they didn't tell they didn't tell me yeah, that same. for me would be like so hurtful to me. It'd yeah. Be like one big hurt bubble would be like, oh, yeah. you hurt me. No, you hurt me by yeah. not telling me. Yeah. Um, how did your diagnosis impact you professionally? Because I'm, you know, I know you were like a girl of that town, mm. like up and down. I never knew actually what you did. I, to meet, mm. I actually know uh, Lauren. We have a very good mutual friend. Yeah. I never knew what you did, but you were always like, woo, you, yeah. you know, like <laughs> running around. I was basically a little social. Instagram butterfly. I've, I've worked in social media. I've always done digital marketing. I, I really enjoyed doing it. I loved it, but I worked for other people. And I tried to go freelance once before. And it just didn't work. I wasn't in the right mindset, mate. I was just partying all the time and then just not working. <laughs> it was like, I was not in the <laughs> responsible You have to be head. so disciplined to be freelance. You do have to be so disciplined to be freelance. And like, it's a really weird thing. I was working for some other people. I kind of knew I wanted to do all these things, but I always listened to the inner voice, the doubt in my head, like, you're good enough. What makes you qualified to do this? And all this kind of stuff. Um, so like, I, I was great at networking. I was always at like brand events and things like that. And But... It was all for other people. And then I guess what changed is when I got ill and I started doing Girl vs Cancer and I started to create and put energy into something that was my baby and I felt so passionately and strongly for and excited by, to see it flourish the way it did so quickly, I was just like, I could have been doing this. Like, I'm being held back by being in someone else's, like, and not valued really either in a job that I was. Like, I'm like, you're getting so much out of me, I realise now. Like, I bring a lot of value in. And... It's really weird because I never would have said that before. Like the thought of saying I'm bringing value to your brand would make me go, oh my God. But now I'm like, no, I I know because I know what my skill sets are. I know I've got great communication skills and I love brands and I love people. So all those things kind of all came into a little perfect mix with Girl Versus Cancer and like my Instagram. And even now, like I do a bit of broadcast, I do everything. And these are all things that have happened as a result of first dates and my cancer, like... I say the my cancer celebrity kind of status because it's weird. You walk through and everyone's like, you, you do the podcast. Um, and they know your whole story and they know, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's, know, it's they mad. Know, they know what they've heard also, I guess, yeah. It's mad, isn't it? but it's so amazing that that experience has brought this whole other side out and of opportunity for me. But a lot of it's because I have allowed myself to go for these things and try things I never have because I stopped listening to the voice in my head because life is too short. So now... If someone goes, oh, do you want to go on live radio? I'm like, yeah, sound. I don't think about the fact that it's live or I'll stress myself yeah. out. I'll just go and have a chat with someone. And then you're like, oh, I actually really enjoyed that. I would never have done that before. Yeah, radio for me is one of the most beautiful mm. things. And that is what got me through mm. because I took two weeks off. Uh, it was during mm. the Christmas period. Mm. So I took the two weeks off and then I went back mm. to radio and I would catch a cab there, cab back, mm. uh, Bless uh, my producers. They would meet me at the cab and will will me in, <laughs> will me upstairs, will me to my desk. And I did the show. And just having the shows for me was, it kept me going because mm. it was just something that was a little bit normal mm. of what I used to do. And you cannot be sad on the radio. It mm. is actually like impossible to be sad on mm. the radio. And you always leave feeling lighter. So like, that's where I found the most solace. And I'm so glad that I carried on doing it, even though there were times, you know, I didn't want to take pictures sometimes mm. with um, with the guests that we. I just wasn't. I didn't mm. feel it that day, you know. I was mm. able to talk, but I wasn't able. I didn't want to kind of show mm. m- me. It was just a sort of a nice way to sort of switch off. Was there anything that you found solace in when you were going through what you were going through? I found solace in my family. What it cancer does again is sharp focus. Like the only thing that matter are my family, the people that I love. Like yeah. that's 
that is it. So being around them and in the company of them, I just felt like everything was going to be okay and they brought me great solace. But also, like, Girl vs Cancer, building that community, that was great because it was a distraction. It kept me focused. Like, when I was up at night with raging highs on steroids where you can't sleep... And then I'd be in bed and my brother would walk past my room at like 3.30 in the morning. I'd be on my laptop and he'd be like, go to sleep. I'm like, I can't sleep. But it's like in those moments where the words were just hitting the page or I was researching ideas for T-shirts or was speaking to my community, that's where the magic happened. And it was just, I found so much solace in that online community and being able to express myself. It made me feel like I was in control rather than a victim of my circumstance at that point. And that did so much for my mental health because there were days where I felt like this was happening to me, but I started to realise I could be the master of my own destiny, not the victim of my circumstance, and that I'd be damned if this cancer was going to make me take me down. Like, whether no matter what the outcome of the actual treatment would have been mentally, I was like, I can't, I can't let that even factor. So, yeah, I found a lot of solace in the online community, a lot of solace in doing girl versus cancer, which I know is mad because it's like. Like you said, you should be resting. But actually, it's a coping mechanism for me being busy. Yeah, 100%. And I think, and it's a fine line, isn't it? It's a fine mm-hmm. line between keeping yourself distracted and, and being busy versus almost, um, I guess, like going overboard and, and, mm-hmm. and going almost too far. Like a, only you know yourself is like when you should rest. Like you kind of know more yourself. Um, mm-hmm. When, when you need to rest or if you haven't been rested and that's like in any sort of thing, any situation, your body talks to you, it tells you. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was definitely one situation where I should have been resting mm-hmm. and I so badly wanted to do this DJ gig that I had. Mm-hmm. It was in the Netherlands. Oh my uh, God. Yeah, no, I know, but I couldn't fly, right? Yeah. Because I had a, I had a, I had a, I had a, I had an operation. So I, uh, my boyfriend, is like, me, we caught the train there, but it was like three trains across oh. Europe, basically, uh, in a wheelchair, my I and, and uh, got to the gig and I was, by that point, I was in so much pain. Mm. It had been the longest day, you know, awkward, awkward positions, cold, um, got there, played the gig. And it was, I was actually in pain during the gig and it wasn't a great gig and I actually didn't play well, cleared the room. It was probably my worst gig, like, ever. Um, the selections really? were off. And it, yeah, it was so bad. It, and I just thought, I had a flashback, literally, during lockdown to that moment and thinking about the fact that I've had no gigs, you know, really this year. Mm, yeah. Uh, not by choice, just by what's yeah. happened, but it's made me really grateful for DJing. But it made me think, you know, I might not have had gigs this year, but next year is a new year. Yeah. I could have just waited. I didn't have to do that gig. I could have just yeah. stayed home. I wasn't going to miss out in my head. If I didn't do that gig, I'll never get booked again. I'll ruin an opportunity. But actually, that would not, wouldn't have happened. It probably would have no. been better if I didn't do the gig and come back next year. Yeah. Well, the year after, it's yeah. fine. I think it's that thing, though, again, though, isn't it? And I, I think a lot of it comes to the world we're in, competitiveness, everything that we feel like we have to do. So, like, we feel like by making that... I think it's so powerful to step back and go, not right now. Pushing back, saying no is uh, such a power move. Yeah. Power of no. It just, it's, it's owning a boundary. And when you lay a boundary down, my God, it feels really impactful because people respect it. Yeah. I respect so many people who turn around and go, no, then people who go, yes, and you can tell they mean no. I feel like we all feel like we have to say yes, 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 because the moment will pass us by. And because I do, I do a lot of spiritual, like crystal healing, I do a lot of Reiki and stuff like that. And one thing that I've really learned, and I always think about it, is taking the path of least resistance, right? So sometimes if there's something you really want to work towards and you're really working towards a goal, 
doesn't mean because it's not coming easy, you stop. It just goes, you're knocking on a door and you're like, this isn't my door. So then you mm. figure out what door you're going to knock on next. So it's like, if something is, is, if it's a path of resistance, if you're pushing for something and it's not coming that easy to you or doesn't feel like, oh, it's becoming a stress. Like I was literally starting back from it now. And I go, this isn't my door. Let me think on this because I'm going to have to work around this. There's another yeah, way I yeah. need to go. And it's never steered me wrong. So whenever I come up against something that's really resisting me, I'm like, that's not my door. I need to stop knocking on that door. That is not my door. Maybe it will open in the future, but right now that ain't opening for me. I love that so much. I mean, it's, it's, I've been re- listening or reading a little bit of like Deepak Chopra and mm. uh, the seven laws of success. And it's kind of like sometimes when you want something too much or you're trying to make it happen too badly, you're actually kind of throwing yourself off because you're your own worst you're you're, you're not actually mm. ready for it because mm. you've put so much emphasis into wanting it so badly in your tense mm. and you're like I need to have it it needs to be mm. mine um without kind of you know enjoying the journey mm. and enjoying where you're where you're just being present and being in it because you're just looking over there so fiercely it's so true like when I think back to my like career even prior to cancer and like you're made to feel like you've got to choose a career at a certain age and it's like the reason I even got into social media because I started traditional marketing then the online world opened up and I thought that looks like fun and I just ended up going in all different alleyways all different avenues to get to where I am now and I think that's so important isn't it it's just to like it's all right to have an ambition and a focus of where you'd like to be but it doesn't have to be a linear path to get there like embrace the curves embrace the bumps the failures because I'm telling you now like all the failures all the things that don't work out quite how you want them to are the things where you end up doing what you're meant to be doing anyway yeah 100% I'm glad you touched on um you touched on a little bit on coping mechanisms Mm. and uh and you touched on spirituality as well the one thing that I know how to pick myself back up if I'm when I'm the lowest or during that period of time or even, you know, every now and again during the seasonal seasons mm. as it happens, you get low gratitude. Always. Gratitude is like I write 10 things that I'm grateful for every night. And doing that when I was laid up after the car crash, I started doing it maybe by the January. So I'd kind of gone through it. I'd be like, right, we need to get you out of this now. And I, I look back now and I see how my writing changed as the months went on. And it was really simple stuff. Like, I'm just grateful for my eyes. I'm grateful for my legs. Mm. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for the roof over my head. I'm grateful for this. You know, sim- simple stuff to begin with. Yeah. And then you start to kind of like, you, you're writing more mm. than 10 things. You know, it's never ending. And sometimes you write the same thing and you realise I'm so genuinely happy about where I am yeah. right now. Yeah, or, I, or babe, for that I, thing. I do three a night. I write three a night. I've got one of those five-year, you know, line-a-day diaries. Yeah. But I write in that section for the day, I'll do three gratitudes. And I'm not going to lie, like, I go through phases of, like, eight months where I do it every night and then I'll drop it for four months. Just same. Oh, same. But then, then I'll pick it back up. It's because you're yeah. in a good place. Yeah. yeah. You know, sometimes for me, be like, I'm grateful that for that crisps and Sanagur blue cheese dip because it tastes sick. <laughs> I'm grateful yeah. for the for the cold air on my face with the window open. I'm grateful, you know, that I get to see one of my best friends for a walk tomorrow. Like, there's so many different things you can be grateful for, big and small. And what it does, actually, is it just rewires your brain to a place of feeling overwhelmed or scared and just being like, oh, do you know what? Like you said, life is good like I'm someone who believes in the law of attraction yes definitely. like I'm not saying like secret vibes but I just feel like yeah it's not you, like you want a Porsche think about the Porsche yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. that could work though but yeah it, bigger but, than that but yeah it's bigger than that it's like energetically what do you want to get out of this life and what do you want and then you become that like you embody that like if you want to be surrounded with love and you know you want to like have a job that makes you happy you pour energy then 
into the things that make you happy and the people that you love. And then it comes back. And it's not always in the way you expect. Again, stop clinging on to expectation and just surrender yeah. to it. Yeah. And, Back you know, so that. many things. Yeah, like, this year's been really funny for work, for everyone, I think. And I... I do feel like my career has gone on such a trajectory in ways that I'd never expected and things that were really exciting to me. And then COVID hit and it's paused a lot of things and it's thrown me a bit because I'm like, I don't feel... I'm the girl who won like a bloody... I don't know how many awards the last, like in 2018 and 2019. It was ridiculous. And this year I was like, I haven't won an award. And, and I'm not going to lie. In the summer, I was like, I'm not achieving. I'm not doing enough. And it's like, babe, shut up. Like, where has this come from? And actually, I was just like, don't think about that end of it. Don't think thinking about the awards. The reason why you won those awards is because the energy. You didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah, you're putting so much energy and love into something that mattered to you. And you've been doing the same this year with other smaller projects and things that you love. And, and rather than sitting and worrying about it, I've actually just completely surrendered and gone, I know that at some point in the next year, the things I put energy into are going to come back and serve me in ways I did not expect. You don't know whose lips your name is on in what rooms... Mm -hmm. who's thinking about you, who's got an idea. You just don't know. And I think we're so used to instant gratification and, and, and in, like, Instagram world and seeing what everyone else is doing. Everyone has their time. And yeah. I think it's just really... It's really the best thing ever in life I think I've learned to do is just surrender and just keep putting the energy into places where it serves you. And you can't go wrong. You can't yeah. go wrong by doing that. I feel like the work that I'd done during a pandemic, which wasn't even, you know, not work, not work for anyone else, the work that I've done because I wanted to do that work is the best work that I've done in my life. And I don't know. Really? You know, yeah, yeah. The best, the, the radio shows that we made, the death of George Floyd. Mm. I did a, did a, had to do a radio show, three hour show kind of around that. And mm. the hardest thing, but the best thing, that's the best thing I ever mm. did. And there was no expectation. There was no, mm. I didn't, you know, I just knew that I had to pour my whole self into it. Mm. And it was, uh, yeah, 100% the, I look back at that moment. It's not like a proud moment because I don't, I shouldn't have had to do that show. Yeah. But it's a proud moment that, um, that I think will stay with me forever in, in radio, I think. That's amazing. I've got some quick fire questions. Um, so to sort of round us off. So what did your experiences of what you've gone through teach you about your body? That it's a temple and it's something to be worshipped. What did your experiences teach you about yourself? That I am resilient, but that as much as I'm hard, I'm soft and I need to take care of myself. Boom. And what did your experience teach you about life? Oh, it's taught me that life is divine chaos and that... You don't hold it too tight because you'll ruin it. Oh, Lauren, you're so good at words. <laughs> you are so good with words, obviously. <laughs> but resilience is something like I, I definitely feel I like I know I'm resilient. Mm. I know I'm a resilient person like that. That mm. much I know. Um, and strong. I'm yeah. my body's strong. Like yeah. now I work out. I never used to, I used to dip in and work out, dip in and out, mm. dip in and out. But once my foot, once I did all the physio, I did extra mm. physio. Since then, I'm consistent with my workouts because I know mm. that my body has to be strong. Yeah. I, want, I need it to be strong to get through yeah. life. You know? Yeah, babe, 100%. So I've because I've gone through medical menopause, my bone density is dodgy. I've got sore hips. I'm like, sometimes I creak and I'm like, I'm 35, not 85. But I know the best thing for my body. Before, I'd be running. I'd go off and do all these runs. And it was a lot of it was to physically look thin or like you know feel slender and fit actually now I lift weights and I do yoga they're the two things that I do because the yoga helps to keep my like fascia tissues all stretched and supple which I need for my joints and the and the weights not only does it make me feel strong and 
gets me into my body for a full hour because you're just focusing on your body in those moments. It makes me feel strong, but it builds my bone density up and it helps my mental health. Yeah. I just, it, everything has changed, the reasons why I do things. And actually, you know, what and what is the reasons for doing that? Like you said, you've been through something where your body has been through so much and recovered. And now the most important thing for you is that your body feels strong. It's not about my body looking a certain way. I'm like, if I feel strong, physically, I feel strong mentally. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I review on that one for sure. What's next for you now? We've we've kind of had these. We've we've had an enlightening moment with what we've been through. Mm. We've had an enlightening moment for a pandemic because I know that you know twenty twenty one and what and what lies ahead. I don't know what lies ahead, but something feels exciting for me. Something feels. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I I, I can't even predict it. I'm, yeah. I, but for the first time, I'm not thinking where are my gigs. You know what gigs? Mm. I'm, will I get gigs next year? Or will this happen next year? We'll have mm. opportunity. I'm not thinking about any of that. I'm just mm-hmm. going into it, just knowing. Yeah. And that feels good. Yeah, babe, I'm 100% with you. There's so many things I had irons in the fire for this year that have not happened, things that have fallen apart, uh, or then, but then other things have come together. And, you know, for Girl vs Cancer especially, I'm a one-woman show. It's pretty much been on pause all this year, but finally I'm in a place where I'm having a rebrand, so I'm taking my face off of it. It's a legacy project now. It's not my story anymore. It's wow. other people's. That's beautiful. So, yeah, I'm very excited. So that's going to be, like, in August of next year, there'll be a whole replatform and rebrand. And then also I'm really excited... For me, like I've been cancer girl for a long time and it will always be part of me, but it's not who I am. So I'm so excited to like explore other avenues of work, try new things. Um, I'm good. I'm really like launching my own website in the new year so I can just write and just talk about things that isn't cancer. I want to talk about boys and I want to talk about interiors and stuff. Do you know what I mean? And music. Um, there's a lot to come next year. And I think like, like what you said, I'm not putting any expectation on it though. I'm like, what comes will come because things are so changeable and I, I'm done with disappointment this year. So I'm yeah. just like, not making a plan. I'm going to take it all as it comes and just make the best of it. Uh, but I think it's going to be a better year, don't you? It has to be. 100%. It can only be. That's it. Yeah, it it's there. not going to be as bad as this year. This year yeah. was a year. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I've, I've, yeah, I knew it would be, but you surpassed anything that I could have dreamed of. Oh, so thank you. Oh, James, it'll make me cry. <laughs> I knew this podcast would be special. It's something that I've been meaning to do for so long, but actually probably wasn't emotionally and mentally in a place to do it. Um, This is the first time I've ever sort of spoke out about my experience and actually spoke out about the emotional side of it and the things that still come up to this day. So it's really interesting to hear Lauren talk about how her trauma is still sort of popping up, but how she deals with it. And it was for me about this episode. We know that things are going to happen to us in life. It could be anything. It could be as, you know, a mass thing to a small thing there will be things that derail us so I wanted this episode not to maybe sort of focus on what the derailment was but focus on our feelings and how we cope and I think we did that thanks for being here for this episode of the DIY handbook I've been Jam Supernova and if you like what you heard then just let me know leave a review talk to me on socials and please please subscribe because there's more great information stories and advice to come in future episodes This podcast was created by me, Jam Supernova, production from Amy Bennett, music and audio production from Sam Interface.